You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, former executive director, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. On today's podcast, we have a special guest that I actually can't wait to tell you about. But before I do that, I also want to tell you about something new we're trying which I think is really cool. If you've been following the NLNL or No Labels, No Limits podcast for any length of time, or you're one of the folks that I serve through coaching or consulting or both, you know I like to learn new things and meet new people and just try new stuff out to see if it works better than the old stuff. Um, I, and I, to that end with trying experiments, I've been thinking for a while about asking someone to join me as a co-host from time to time. And as usually works out, once you start thinking about things, they start evolving. And so then recently, one of my colleagues and now friend, Rebecca or Beck, um, mentioned she's thinking about starting her own podcast. And I thought, ah, voila, how about you come on as a co-host? So that brings me to today and our pilot co-hosted session. And my co-host today is going to be Beck or Rebecca Japovich and, Re- and Rebecca Beck. Could you take just a few seconds and tell folks who you are? Sure, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, like uh, you said, we are friends and we've been working together. And in my business, I help purpose-driven people be seen, heard and up-level their impact with copywriting, voiceovers and coaching. That's me in a nutshell. That's a good nutshell. We'll start with that. (laughs) But folks, listen, if you want to know more about Beck, um, you can actually go back to episode 114 of this podcast and learn and listen to her because she talks about her story, how she ended up doing the work she does, what what motivates her. And I would say her her self-developed internships in media that actually helped her up-level her game and was one of the reasons why I just loved it when I found her. But now, enough about that. Let's get on to today's podcast. And I want to tell you that I specifically reached out to our guest, Lucas Root, um, through LinkedIn, because when I learned about him and read about him, I just got really intrigued. And I thought, wow, he'd be a great guest on the podcast. 
Now, Lucas is an accomplished speaker, entrepreneur, and business success mentor, and he has over 19 years of success across banking, technology, investments, health and wellness, athletics, and interactive media, which most of us know as gaming. Um, Lucas specializes, though, in speaking to entrepreneurs and business owners on getting their strategy on track for success and math massive growth. And as additionally, he's served a number of startups, established middle market businesses, and small business clients. His latest engagement, he was able to improve that business's revenue by 600% in its first year working. So that's a massive growth. But we're going to pivot a little bit in this episode from all of his expertise in business to really learn from Lucas what he has learned about how to successfully work from home and our changing environment. So we're, you're going to learn how working from home can work for you and how to get there, how to build a support system for yourself that supports you being yourself. And then Lucas's down-to-earth approach that teaches audiences how to succeed where others have kind of previously failed. And you'll hear how you can align or actually design a fail-proof strategy that is designed to set you up for success. So now, after all that, let's actually welcome our guest, Lucas Root. Hi, Lucas. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having Hi, me. Lucas. Hi, Lucas. Hi, back. <laughs> Yeah, it's we've been looking forward to having you on the show. And I know you and I have been texting and communicating behind the back scenes now for a couple of months. But yeah. before we dive in to the meat of the podcast, let me ask you something that all of us want to know, Beck and I and the audience. What's one non-negotiable ritual or habit that you do every day that keeps you focused and heading toward your big vision? That's a that's a fun question. Um and you know it's funny with the with the COVID restrictions and a whole bunch of people suddenly at home, um, setting up your day for success is starting to be something that people can uh, and really should pay a lot more attention to. So um, I'm excited that you queued that one up because that's a good one. Um, I I get up at 5 a.m. every day, weekends too, and for the first hour of the day. Um, I do a, a, a one hour morning routine and it starts out with a, a light exercise, which is, you know, some jumping jacks or something and then a long walk, um, 15 minutes. And then I do um, some meditation, uh, 20 minutes, and then I do 20 minutes of either reading or learning. And it's not heavy learning. It's more like light learning, studying a language or reading some nonfiction book that I haven't read before. And that's the end of my morning routine. And then I have coffee. So that's when I sort of start my day after that morning routine. I don't have the coffee first. I have it after. Well, that's tough love, brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sure is. That sounds like you've got all of the stuff that you want to get done in the day set up. It sounds a lot different to my morning at the moment, which is coffee. <laughs> get up. Coffee. <laughs> Hey, what would you say, though, to someone who's listening going, is that guy nuts? Why is he up seven days <laughs> 5 a.m.? Um, you know, your, your body loves routine. And I know a lot of people sort of struggle against this idea, but your body just really loves routine. And so if you, if you set a goal, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be 5 a.m. It could be 7 a.m. 
you set a, a, a wake up time every single day and you get up at that time every single day, your body will thank you and it will perform better because of it. In more or less every aspect that's important, you'll start getting up easier, you'll start falling asleep easier, um, and the way that you want your day to be laid out every single day is just going to be easier because of it. I'm all about getting the, the, the maximum amount of results for the minimum amount of input. So, you know, if I need to be able to perform at 6 a.m. two, three days a week, then I'm just going to set myself up to perform at 6 a.m. every day. And be successful with it. Yeah, yeah that's right. My husband's just... Uh started that and he's going for a run and he used to be a real night owl and so now he's getting up in the morning and doing that routine he's falling asleep easier and then that's just helping his health and you know <laughs> excuse me so it's got a lot of a lot of benefits and i i feel like when people are project focused um as opposed to like long-term success do you know what i mean focused making that morning routine like a project that they must follow maybe for you know a couple of weeks or a month helps them helps you with that focus and then it becomes a routine becomes that habit yeah they say i think 30 days um yeah. i haven't i don't have the number in my head but i think 30 days makes it a habit so i think you set it up really nicely lucas when you were talking about how you know now that we're all working from home or home to some degree more than others, depending on where on the world you are. And we talked before going live that we've got, you know, Beck's down in Australia and you and I are here in the Western part of the U S um, and you're in a different state. So the restrictions are different for all of us. Yeah. So how, how have you been thinking about or helping people kind of adjust to that working from home in a way that's successful for themselves and the other people they share their living space with. Yeah, uh, it's, it's tough. Um, this isn't my primary business, but it does, it does affect my business enough that I've put together a little guide and shared it on the internet so that people can look at it. And it's the same stuff that I do. Um, and I, I've shared it with the different teams that I manage and, and uh, with the different businesses that I'm working with so that they can implement something similar to that in their lives. Um, and it looks sort of like this. Look at your day functionally the way you would when you're going to work. Um, you get up, you take a shower, you drink some coffee, you eat your breakfast, you get dressed, um, you commute to the office, and then you sit down and you have a you know two, maybe five minute routine of sort of arranging yourself at your desk and getting ready for the day at your desk, right? This is the routine that your body is used to to kick off your workday. So do the same thing when you're at home. Get up, take a shower, eat breakfast, drink coffee, go outside and take a 20 minute walk. And that sort of simulates that commute to you. And then when you come inside, don't go do something else. Go straight to your desk, sit down at your desk and do your two minutes of sort of arranging yourself, moving your keyboard around a little bit to get yourself ready for your day. Your body's going to say, oh, okay, I know this. This is my start the day routine. It's a great way to sort of ease into a morning routine. Now, the version of morning routine that I shared earlier, this is something that I've evolved over years. And so start with something that's familiar, something that's easy. Implement that. Make sure that it's kicking off your day right. And then you can evolve it because we're home anyway into something that more 
cleanly matches what your personal biorhythm is and what you expect of yourself. So my 5 a.m. routine started out as the same like 8 a.m. routine that I'm talking about for let's call them newbies of working at home. So Beck, how did you adjust when um, all of a sudden you became a mom, a homeschooling mom? Oh, so you're assuming that I've adjusted? Okay. Um, <laughs> I make those wild. Well, <laughs> well, interestingly, the first couple of weeks of homeschooling, I was in the routine of my son's routine. So I, he would even get up and he would get into his uniform and we would set up the um, the morning writing that he does at his desk and then we would move into the phonemic awareness, you know, practicing words. And we would, we followed his routine of the school, but my son's only five. So I was finding that it was too much. So we adjusted it back to, okay, let's just learn for 60 minutes a day, which is what they suggested, the school suggested in the end. Um, and, and that was good. And that worked to keep me into a routine of being teacher. And then, you know, when he'd finished that, that time then I'd go into my work and client work and and then school holidays happened so we went on to the routine of school holidays which is free for all right <laughs> and because he couldn't go to his grandma or or friends or anything like that then then it was challenging it was a real challenge to to get my work done in that school holiday time uh now I mean now I am getting back into a routine for my work because he goes back on Monday, back to school, which is awesome. So he'll be in his routine. I'll have quiet time. So then I'll be able to, you know, do what I did this morning, get up, put on some makeup, brush my teeth, have some something to eat, all that stuff. Yeah. So for That's all of us listening in the U.S. who are at home taking care of kids and in Canada and many other countries, you can... Just envision that day for yourself when your kids will be kind of back on their normal routines because I'm pretty sure oh. they're antsy to get back there too. Yes. So, Lucas, I want to kind of um, follow through your recommendations in your article, and then I have a couple of questions specific to your business strategy that you actually help your folks work with. So you've started our morning routine. Um, if we jump, and we'll we'll post a link to your article, which is really great. But if, if you jump to the end of kind of the end of day routine and why that matters, um, can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. Um, we, uh, I haven't, I haven't actually figured this out yet in terms of why it happens this way, but our body, I, you know, we've, we've all written essays in school. So we remember how an essay works. You open up with a little intro and then there's, and in the intro, it tells you sort of what you're going to cover in the body. And then there's the body, right? Or I'll do it this way. Then there's the body of the essay. And then at the end, you sort of talk a little bit about what happened and you draw it to a close. And um, for whatever reason, our, our bodies and our, our brains really like that structure. So um, we kicked off the day with a routine that says, hey, it's time for me to get to work. And our body appreciates that and it rewards it with higher degrees of productivity and consistent degrees of productivity. But just like in an essay, our body, our brain, it doesn't really like to leave strings hanging. 
So it likes to close things off, right? So we opened up with the, with the morning routine, we go through the day, we have our productivity, and then we get to the end of the day and we have to have another routine. We don't have to, but it's very beneficial to have another routine to close the day off so that your body and your brain knows, all right, we've finished that packet and we can move on from that. So are you speaking about the end of a work day or the end of the actual day day when you're getting ready to go to bed? Um, both, depending on who you are and where you are in your routines. Um, the end of the work day is an, is an important piece of closing out that beginning that we started with. So my morning routine opens my day day. Um, I typically work for a couple of hours in the morning and then I close my morning work packet with sort of a, a mid-morning routine, right? And that closes my morning work packet. Um, for most people who are nine to fivers, they open their, their work day with that morning routine, eight to nine. They work for the day and then at five o'clock, they should have a close the day routine. And I would recommend starting with something similar to your morning routine in that you get up from your desk, you maybe call a coworker who you would normally say goodbye to at the end of the day. You go for your 15 minute commute walk outside and then you come home and take off your work clothes. And I know it seems a little bit weird because you were at home and you probably wore home clothes to be working throughout the day, but take them off. Your body is used to this. Take, okay. off, your clothes, take off your work clothes, get changed. It's, it's a really valuable part of sort of closing out that day for you. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said about like contacting your coworker and having a chat to them because that's such a, a important part of our home working is keeping that connection because we are all so isolated. I just think that's a really cool idea just to be like, hey, finishing up the day, how was your day? It keeps you connected and I love that. Yeah. And changing the clothes. I mean, yes, you have to get out of your slippers and then put your <laughs> put your new slippers back on. <laughs> get out of your work clothes and get into your home slippers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and depending and so, on the time of year, it's like, okay, tennis shoes to flip-flops. Okay. Yeah. But that is, is it's interesting because your... psychologically you make a shift. Yeah. Mm. Sarah, yeah. I'm curious, what's your routine? <laughs> you know what? Close off. I love working from home because I, it, but it took me a while to get into a solid routine, you know, where I actually, mm -hmm. you know, when you go to the office, people just assume that you're there to work, right? So they don't bug mm -hmm. you. They let you do your thing. Um, if you are in the middle of a call, no one stands there waiting for you to finish, or hopefully if they do, mm -hmm. it's because it's an emergency, right? And it took me a while to realize that I can have that same attitude at home, right? Mm -hmm. So just because someone's standing there, it's like, mm, I'm not available right now, right? So I now have set up, I've got pretty good communication with those that are in the home, so they know. I walk in, do something. But when I come out now, my, my end of day routine, and, and once it gets really hot, I'll have to adjust again. But um, my end of day routine is I come out of the office, I turn everything off, I look at what I got accomplished versus the three things I intended to do, how, mm -hmm. what's the leftover, was it important, all that. I set up the next day at the end of, that, of this day, just so mm -hmm. I don't have to think. Otherwise, to Lucas's point, I'm going to think about it while we're doing family things, right? Or when mm -hmm. I go to bed. So um, I do that. And then I, now I have a helper in this. 
the dog sits there because he's going, uh, hello, hello, it's time for our pre-dinner <laughs> walk. And I, and I love it because I come back, I just feel it is my commute. And you know, Lucas, it's actually about mm. the same amount of time it took me to drive in and out of town. So, mm. um, but it sets a different mind mindset for mm -hmm. me and work's done. Work's done, exactly. Works done. And I will say it's not an easy transition when you're used to being available. And I have folks that I work with who, when they left the office and started working from home, their biggest challenge was, oh yeah, now they do their meetings by Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. They're used to being, which means you're available. You're at your house, right? Why aren't you available? You know, Lucas, one of the things you talk about is business survival. And I know a lot of businesses are worried about themselves right now, you know, having been isolated. and Beck, you also see that in the work you're doing with all of your clients. So I'm curious what trends you are seeing with the, in the marketplace, how you're seeing those things change. Mm -hmm. um, and just what are you seeing and how people are working together? It's, it's actually really cool. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I, I've been talking a lot about this idea of pent up demand. And that's like, you know, when the snow is in the mountains in the winter time, that's pent up demand and spring comes and the snow thaws and it comes rushing down the river, right? So we're all familiar with that notion of the spring thaw bringing higher waters down in the, in the, in the water, right? Um, the same sort of thing happens with a market pullback. People who have money start spending less of it. People who, who lost their job, they, they obviously want a job, but across the market, we have this idea where um, I want to go spend money. I want to take my wife out to dinner, but the market's pulled back. I'm pulled back. I'm holding a little tighter right now. So the demand hasn't gone away, but I'm holding it in. That's pent up demand. Um, and so I think we're right now in a period of starting to build up pent up demand, which is interesting because all of the businesses right now that are taking this as an opportunity to become strategically strong, to really address their core approach to the market, maybe clean up their product offerings or clean up their marketing messages or start to really engage with their customers directly instead of through product, but just call them up and say, hey, you bought from me before. Can we talk about this right now? Customers love that, by the way. So now is a great time to do this. And as they strengthen their core at the, the, the core of their business, when, those, when the people who have that demand, the people who want jobs get their jobs again so they'll have some income, the people who have some money and they're holding on to it right now decide they want to start spending it again. When that pent-up demand starts to be released into the market, the people who have strengthened their core offerings the best are going to be best positioned to be able to capture that pent-up demand. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one -on -one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now, back to the show. I hope I'm not oversimplifying this, but do you find there are folks that you're working with who are in that kind of proactive like okay let's look at what we can control right now which are our internal systems and our clients and all of that and so they're being active there and other people who are going well we don't know what's going to happen yet so let's wait to see what happens and then we'll figure out best how to position ourselves 
or do you see a whole spectrum? I see a whole spectrum. The people I'm working with, I advise pretty strongly towards the former, right? That let's, let's really make sure that we strengthen the core of our business because even if the market changes, um, you're, you're going to be in a situation where you have to A, pivot, right? Which is fine, but you can't see that coming necessarily. Um, or B, continue forward. And in both cases, strengthening the core of your business is going to set you up to be ready for that. So just so our listeners are clear, when you talk about the core of the business, what are the core aspects that you typically look for or look with side by side with your clients to strengthen? Mm -hmm. That's an awesome question. Um, I evaluate three things. Um, I evaluate their, uh, what they think of as their vision, their business vision, number one. Um, I evaluate their core team, number two, and I evaluate their core product suite. How are they offering something to the market? And it could be a service, um, it could be uh, a physical product, it could be a digital product, but their core product suite. So those are the three things that I evaluate. And you evaluate them in terms of strength and opportunity or like what lens are you looking at? Because there's a lot of ways to unpack that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to get as much out of you as I can on the podcast, Lucas. <laughs> I, I don't mind. And the more that it helps people, honestly, the more that it helps people, the happier I'm going to be. Um, and this is the reason why I started speaking and started mentoring. I don't get paid to speak or to mentor. So um, what I really want is I want entrepreneurs to be successful. That serves me. Not just it makes my ego feel good. That brings more products, better products, better services to the market that I get to take advantage of. So I really, personally, I feel like I'm serving myself by helping people succeed. So I don't mind. I couldn't agree more. But back to the question. Right. <laughs> so uh, in, in, in the vision, in the vision of the company, I look for clarity and I look for things that are Um, clean and understandable, something that can be communicated both internally and externally so that your customers, internal uh, investors, purchasers, um, all understand exactly what it is that you're going for, right? Um, And typically when I'm evaluating the vision, I look at the, the strategy of achieving that vision as well. It's not as core to the business as the vision itself, but you know, it's important to know both where you're going and how you're going to get there. Where you're going really is the key. You can get there in a lot of different ways and you can course correct on the way. But as long as you know where you're going, that's really the big key. So it's the vision that's most important to me. And then the strategy is something that we can work on over time. So clarity of vision is number one to me. And then I look at that vision against their product suite and their product offering and the marketing messages that they have had in the past, right? Because the marketing messages, internal and external, is what they're communicating as their vision to their customers, again, internal and external, right? So Mm -hmm. what I'm interested in is congruency of that vision across their communication. Again, I'm still really looking just for that vision, but the marketing messages are the places where that vision communication shows up. Right. So you want it to be clear so that the, you know, a confused mind always says no. So you want people to go yes to that thing. They know exactly what they they're getting. That's right. 
And then internally, if your vision is clear, um, my experience is that actually helps you drive your hiring and all the communication mm. with your staff. It empowers your staff to work independent of you telling them what to do because they know what to do. You've hired professionals. That's right. Right. <laughs> I like to say I hire chess players, not chess pieces. Ooh, nice. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Ooh, we're stealing it, Lucas. Ooh. Just FYI. <laughs> Count on it, Beck. We'll see it in something soon. It's doing it. But we'll it's attribute you, today. Lucas. Really, we'll Thank attribute you. So how important is having um, a support system in order to be able to achieve your, your business um, vision? Oh, my God, it's critical. Here's the thing. An early entrepreneur typically has more time than money, right? We all know this. Um, as you understand the pieces of achieving your vision that fit into two buckets, one must be done by me and two must be done, but doesn't have to be done by me, right? Those are the two buckets. As you have more time than money, you're probably going to do more of the things in the has to be done, but doesn't buy, doesn't need to be done by me bucket, bucket number two. But, um, while you're building your vision, while you're building your business and executing against that vision, you need to build support systems that allow you to move tasks out of your bucket. In, it, it's all in bucket number two, but out of your bucket and into your support systems bucket because if you're succeeding to any degree, you will eventually get to the point where you do not have more time than money. Do you ever find folks that you have to say, yeah, I know you like doing that, but in this role, that's not for you. So do we need to talk about what your real role is so that you feel great being in this business? Do you see this distinguished, like, I like to do it because I can and it's easy, but honestly, I shouldn't be doing that. That's not the role of me in this. That's not my highest and best use in this business. Are you sure? I've, I'm not I've, sure. That's why I'm asking you. How would you help me? That's what I'm yeah. saying because I've been there and I sometimes I'm thinking, yeah, when I was there, I had to make a choice. I thought, I'm no longer serving, right? That's not how I want to be in this business. Someone else should be doing that. I'm not the gal for that anymore, right? Yeah. And then I exited. It's not, it's like, that's not me. I've, yeah, I, I agree. That a business owner hire a CEO who is not them. It's not often. It's, it's not very often that someone else can execute your vision better than you. But sometimes that is actually the best answer. You want to stay in the business. You want to be doing a very specific role, right? And it is not CEO. Well, and sometimes it's a good exit strategy too, right? If you want to leave the business, but you don't want to necessarily sell the business, it's like, why can't someone else run the business? Yep. And they can. They sure mm. can. There are great CEOs out there. That is a skill set that is for sale. Now it's relatively expensive. So I, I totally respect people who put off buying that skill set until later. But if that's not the stuff that is, sits in bucket number one, must be done by me, then it's okay to outsource that. And Beck, by what, me, I just mean buy that skill set, hire a CEO. Beck, what has been your experience with that? Well, in my, in my personal experience, you know, I, I got into business because I loved writing 
and I wanted to help people, you know, articulate what their passion is or what their business is, or what their offerings are in a way that was easy. And I, I wanted to make things easier for people and I love it. But then as my business has grown, I have found that I've had to, I have found that sometimes the things that I was doing, I could be serving better doing other things like, like doing like servicing clients or making them, you know, loving them up, you know, in a way or writing, you know, personal notes, things like that. And so I've had to step out of sort of the, some of the roles, some of the tasks that I was doing that weren't must do's. And I found that that was really exciting because it, it meant that I had to grow and change and I had to learn new skills about delegating and training up people to work uh, in my business vision. And um, I, I really like that because not only was I serving clients in a better way, I think, but I was also mentoring younger younger people to, you know, upskill their thing and like nurturing their little businesses as well. And I, I really found that there was a lot of joy in that as well. So yeah, so I've, I've changed the, the, the must do's. I mean, what, what that other thing was, the things that I don't have to do. And um, it's been a good journey. It's, it's about growing as a leader, really. But what, in your opinion, Lucas, is the role of a mentor and how do people find a right fit mentor for them? That's a great question. Um, and it's, it's one that my answer is evolving as I evolve. Um, <clears throat> I actually spent years looking for a good mentor and I, I couldn't find one. And I, I was actively looking. It wasn't like a passive thing. I was like, eh, if a good one knocks on my door, I'll answer. No, I was asking people, hey, can you mentor me? Um, and getting no surprised me. Um, to me, a mentorship relationship is a, is a two-directional giving relationship that's based on giving in terms of business knowledge or business value, um, or you know maybe professional knowledge and professional value is a better way to put it. Um, not necessarily based on friendship. And part of the reason why I say not necessarily based on friendship is because I think it's important for a mentor to distance themselves from the personal connection in a mentorship relationship. Say more about why that's important. Well, please. Um, yeah, it's, that's a, that's a big one. Um, I, I find that um, when people are getting personal and, and using that personal connection, they're less likely to tell you the hard truth. They don't want to hurt your feelings or maybe even the feelings in the relationship interfere with them seeing the hard truth. So I'm interested though, you got a lot of no's and yet you didn't quit. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I think that it's important to have people in your life that are giving you active, valuable, non-biased feedback all the time. Um, I, I think it's valuable to have people that are in your life in a professional capacity doing that, i.e. a coach that you pay. Um, and it's mm -hmm. valuable to have people where the trade is non-monetary, so it's a mentorship relationship. Um, and I think everybody, uh, everybody who wants to continue to grow as a person and professionally should seek those things out. Yes, definitely. 
What's been your experience with that, Beck? Yeah, well, um, you know, there's there's kind of two parts to my professional life. I have an artistic side and, and a media side. And just recently I've needed a, a mentor in the artistic side, someone who produces work, who does stage, you know, puts on their own stage shows to tour and just recently reached out to someone who is ahead of me in that game and, and asked for that professional you know, mentorship. And I find it's just incredible to, to learn from people ahead of you. And it just, you know, keeps you, keeps it sparks that motivation, um, keeps you aligned with what you want to do. And with my media business, you know, I've, I've always been in a, a, like a mastermind group where I'm learning from people who are ahead of me professionally and lucky that the woman who runs this mastermind group is just so generous with her feedback and she is that professional no bs kind of lady who gives it to you straight not afraid to tell you what you need to to know to grow and yeah it's just been incredible i would not have had like all of my life i've had mentors you know would not not be anywhere without any anybody else's input or success or, or those conversations you know i think having those conversations regularly just uh, crucial to any success. Can't do it alone, people. Can't do it alone. So on that, I think I want to start to bring it together because I actually think this is a pretty cool conversation. But I want to ask you, Lucas, um, as kind of a wrap-up question, um, and I'm going to assume there are some people who are entrepreneurs listening because I know there are, but someone who's just kind of stuck, they're wondering what they should be doing right now related to going back into the market. Maybe they're part of the pent up demand or they might even be on the side of they're not willing to pay for services that they actually need. But um, what would be a first step or a very first step that you would ask or suggest an entrepreneur take to set themselves up for success? You know, um, it's funny because uh, I, I really should, I should reach out to Shopify and ask them to pay me to, to tell you people that we need to get on Shopify. <laughs> but <laughs> my best advice is if you want to be an entrepreneur, the first thing you should do is get on Shopify and start selling some products. It doesn't matter what you sell. Mm -hmm. there, is, there is no experience better than doing it. And Shopify makes it so easy. And you can have a, store, a Shopify store up and running with at least basically decent graphics um, and some decent products in probably under 50 hours. Um, you know, and it, that gives you the opportunity to start engaging with your business at almost every level. You, you engage with the supply chain, you engage with the purchasing, you engage with receiving money and managing your accounts. Like from an entrepreneurship perspective, Shopify allows you to test um, being an entrepreneur at a sort of surface level for relatively cheap, very quickly. Yes. I love that advice. You know, my first product that I put online was 10 years ago and Shopify wasn't around, but I learned so much by doing and, yeah. you know, all of the things that you just said. Yeah. There is no real, um, substitute for doing something. No. You, know, you can think it through in your head. It can look good or it can look scary, whatever. But until you actually start doing it, you don't know squat. 
you know, you just have ideas. So mm -hmm. I love that idea too. Hmm. I'm in many places, Lucas, but I am not on Shopify. So now <laughs> I now have another thing, but, but to stay true to my focus, I will get the things on my higher priority to do list done first. Although you don't need it might be a May thing. You don't need to wonder if entrepreneurship is for you. Yeah. For me? Yeah. You've proved it. You've proved oh, you know it. what? I love, I just love doing stuff. So I don't, I've learned over the years. Um, it's not worth, it's, I'm always nervous doing stuff, but it's not worth it keeping me from doing it. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I exactly wouldn't have, you know, right. Lucas, I wouldn't have bugged you to get you on the podcast if I was yeah. nervous anymore. I wouldn't have. Because you said, no, I'm busy. And I'm thinking, Wrong answer. <laughs> Wrong answer. How can I make this good for Lucas? Because yeah. you are now the time's not good. Well, when would be a good time? Because my schedule on podcasting, I have full control of that, which I do. So anyway, you're I love right. that, entrepreneurship Sarah. is for me. And I love meeting and working with new people. And I love that mm -hmm. I actually had Beck as a coach and a, I mean, she produced for me as a uh, consultant but also as a coach. And then I'm thinking, she's so smart and she's so fun. And we all need to hang out with smart, fun people. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. Life's too Oh, Chucks. Blush. Thank you. Oh, blush. You can't. It's too bad that we're not using the video of this. It's kind of fun. So um, from each of you, I would like to know one parting word of advice for our listeners or just something to think about. You go first, Beck. Okay. We've said it already, get a mentor. Yeah. <laughs> Surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to do, learn from them, and then do the thing, try. Yeah, uh, I would say both a mentor and a coach. They are different. They both add value. Everybody should mm -hmm. have both. Um, and uh, add routines that help you set up your day for success and close out your day for success. Here's my favorite thing that I never let people do when I'm working with them in groups, and that's to say ditto. But um, ditto. <laughs> it's true. Change your shoes. What? Well, no, it's. I think one of the cool things I took from you today, Lucas, was like I'm thinking. Oh yeah, I got to take off my work clothes because I do every day. I get up and put on like work clothes. Like I could walk out and do a meeting, other than the mm. fact that I'm wearing my walking tennis shoes right now. But. Um, because it puts my head in the right space. Like I, this isn't just a hobby. This is what I do. This is what I yeah. love to do. Right. So, um, but you know, I do wear the tennis shoes cause they're a pain in the butt to put on and off three or four times a day to walk the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking sharp from the ankles up. Um, yeah. So I think I was, I was wearing a dress once and then leggings and joggers and, and, and I love it because yes, you can be all business up, up top and party down the or exercise down the bottom. Go. Um, your, your podcast could be your tagline could be looking sharp from the angles up. <laughs> oh, I like it. Okay, thank I you. Like and I, I'll, I'll run that past my marketing guru. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's very yeah, cool. Hey, and folks, before I wrap this up, I want to, um, and before we go to the outro and all of the formal stuff with the podcast, I want to ask you if you're listening to this episode. Um, if you like the co-hosting thing, I'm having fun, but who knows? We can't see you. We can't get your reactions on it. So mm. if you could give us a rating and review on No Labels, No Limits, 
or if you are uncomfortable doing that, then go on to my webpage on the contact form and give me feedback there. But really, the whole point of trying stuff new is to learn, and um, it's all about the learning and doing. So tell Beck and I and Lucas what you thought of it, and um, that's all I have to say. No labels, no limits, and no excuses, you guys. You got great tips today from Beck and Lucas, so let's go out and get it done. Stay positive. Been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five star review, and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, Keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.